0: Hello and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation Podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of the Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus, it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's, it's so versatile anything from a moscow mule to an elderflower martini to a white russian plus tito's handmade vodka has won a million awards but for real it's been distilled six times and won the sf world spirit championship so the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail pick up some tito's handmade vodka plus you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes Hello, before we get started on today's podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up of the cocktail that we're making today. So if you would like to make it at home, I would definitely encourage because this is also one of my most favorite delicious cocktails and I've made it for dinner party. Um, in the past couple of months, and everyone also asked for the recipe, so I thought I would share the recipe today. So it's called Pretty in Pink, which I found off of Pinterest, obviously, Um, and it is one and a half ounces of Tito's, and then an ounce of St. Germain, two ounces of grapefruit juice, one ounce of lemon juice, a half ounce of simple syrup. And then you would just throw that all into a shaker and shake it up real good. And I would pour that over ice into either a rocks glass or like a highball Collins glass and garnish it with thyme. And I always put a straw in there. So paper straw, obviously. But that is how to make today's cocktail. So if you make it, let me know. And really excited to share uh, the story of my friend Jenny Joy. She is such a dear friend, and her story is, I, yeah, just really incredible. She is, um, when I think of like a friend who's been to hell and back, I would think of Jenny. I wanted to start this podcast with the intention of sharing kind of the multifaceted parts of life and not just the Instagram highlight you know, real of life because it's not really reality. It's not really true. Like we all go through pretty shitty times and we all go through pretty amazing, beautiful times. And so she's someone who has really, you know, walked through a lot of pretty intense things and come out in such a beautiful way. Life is definitely often a mess and often... Um, really heartbreaking and sometimes you don't get to choose when that is or how that happens to us. But um, I have a relationship with Jenny where I have seen some of that rawness and seeing her in those depths in those places and just the incredible courage that she has to walk through the darkness and to rebuild her life with the most beautiful story. Um, she really is an amazing friend, an incredible mother, a kick-ass business owner, and a champion of the dinner party project from very early on. So I hope you will enjoy her incredible story. Hello, and welcome to Cocktails and Conversations. Jenny, thank you for being here. <laughs> I am so happy to be here. Good. Well, <laughs> salute, as we do a little bit of day drinking today. <laughs> so, me a little bit more than you. Yes. We are doing a cocktail. I am doing a cocktail in the middle of the day, um, very happily. I'm doing a, a Tito's uh, Pretty in Pink, which is one Ooh. I've been doing at dinner parties um, on occasion. Try not to do it too often. But I personally love it so much and it's always a hit. Um, So it's Tito's, it's St. Germain, grapefruit juice. It's got a little bit of simple syrup in it and lemon. And sometimes you can garnish it with thyme. Ooh. So, Ooh.
1: I remember what Saint James f-
0: tastes like. Saint elderflower. <laughs> Anything <remember> <laughs> With elderflower <laughs> is delightful. So you're drinking a zero-proof cocktail, which yeah. is the same thing. Sans the alcohol, which I totally understand. People are in different places and stages in their life. Yes. Yes. A year and a half in. I like, mm. Wow. <laughs> good on you. <laughs> For me, it's such a treat having having a good cocktail. Is just such like a. It's almost like a dessert or something where it's just something I really look forward to. Yeah, not a treat. But even besides cocktail, do you have like a go-to drink um, that you love? That not drink doesn't have to be like an alcoholic drink, but it, do you have like a tea or or a juice? Or do you have any after a long day? Do you like? Is there any drink that you like to enjoy?
1: I am really exciting. Water. Water. Wow.
0: Okay. <laughs> go nuts. So, woo-hoo. Okay.
1: We're starting off <laughs> right. Okay, water. Just, just wanted to throw that out for all of your listeners. Just now they straight have like, straight water. A really exciting drink. Yes. To
0: go-to. To. Okay, your go to drink is water. Well you're much healthier than the rest of us. So before we jump into things, I wanted to rehash really quickly how you and I first met. And how long it's been. Because it has been oh. almost a million years. <laughs> but I'm trying to remember, like, the first point of contact I had from you was through
1: styling. Yes. I in, hired you. In a, you the, were my birthday present. The Okay. You were my birthday a present. A birthday present. Yes. Yes. I heard about you through a friend. Through our mutual friend. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and... I wanted was to it from her or from your the then husband? No, 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 no it's his sister. Why she had mentioned you? Oh, I think she had done some modeling for you. Yes, for sure. And we I had always kind of followed your stuff mm. and then I saw I checked out your website and I saw that you do a closet revamp. Yep. And at the time I was starting my business. And I needed wow. to. Uh, well, I wasn't starting it, but I was just. I decided to scale it mm-hmm. and actually grow it. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I needed to stop being stay-at-home mom. You know, whatever. I don't even know what I was wearing at that point. I was homeschooling and I was. Long shorts. At home. Just. It was whatever my sister gave me. pretty Okay. Much. Yeah. And so you came in and I was like, I need to be a little more pulled together. And you helped. You took me shopping. You helped me find some things, and to help me round out my wardrobe, and then. You helped me pull stuff together out of what I already had. Yes. And that was my birthday and I was present. trying to remember, like, what year this was, because I feel like it's been so long. That had to have been 2012. In 12, 2012. Yeah, end of... Oh, no, if it was my birthday, it would have been 2013. January 2013. Really? Yeah. Because I um, decided to scale my business in the fall of 2012. Okay. I feel like it was longer than that, but I will trust you. Even 2013, that's like
0: six years ago, Yeah, which is pretty nuts. (laughs) Super crazy. So as you know, I'm chatting about a couple of my favorite things throughout Mm -hmm. this podcast. One, of course, is cocktails. We don't have too much to go into there since you're (laughs) a water girl, (laughs) which is so healthy for you.
1: Oh, you know what? My favorite cocktail used to be, I can say that. Okay. I love mojitos. A mojito. And they need to be made right in front of you. Fair enough. Really to be really good. Grind the sugar and the mint. Muddle the mint. Muddle the mint. Ugh. If there is a cocktail I miss, that is it. Okay. Right there. It is so refreshing. so yummy. And the best one I've ever had was at Burning Man. Okay. There was a whole camp that made, that all they did was make mojitos while you stood there and waited. And you were amazing.
0: like, "Am I in heaven?" Probably yes. Pretty much yes. Pretty much yes. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, that sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> all the things sound amazing. There you go. <laughs> um, so our, the next topic that I am gonna, we're gonna dig into is story. And there's definitely so much that shapes us. There's so much that happens to us. Uh, there's so much that is out of our control. In a sense, um, just kind of like the spot on the planet that we're placed in, the family of origin that we arrive to, the DNA that you've been given is all out of our control, right? So we're placed on this earth in ways that we can't really change or shape some of the things about our lives. And then as we grow up, we get to shape that more. But I would love to know a little bit more about you and your story and just... Kinda of like what was growing up in your family like? Like what were your parents like? What was your birth order? Um how did that what did that feel like growing up?
1: Okay.
0: Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to elaborate a ton. I just wanna okay. know Well, I
1: okay. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Okay. I have a far, an older far brother. away. Yes, far, far away. It's much rainier and much colder there. Mm-hmm. Um I have, have, have an older loss. brother. Okay, and I have a younger sister. Right, so I am a middle child. You are a middle child. Okay, um, and then I grew up in a very conservative, religious household. My dad was pastor. Uh-huh. and um, so yeah, that's that's how I grew up. That's how you grew up. Enough. <laughs> we can just dig into it more. <laughs> okay. Just get ready.
0: <laughs> um, no, that's good. So you felt. Like, did you feel like it at the time that you felt like you were in a conservative group? Or was that kind of your whole world was encased in the beliefs that your parents held?
1: I would say both. Okay. My my whole world did exist in that place hmm. because our family was very kind of isolationist, I would say. <laughs> like, our whole world was at church. That's it. That's it. You know, it. we really didn't have friends outside of church or anything like that. Right. And it was very... It was kind of, I think my parents even kind of were like, you know, that world out there is scary and bad, or, you know, it was very... Like, don't interact with the yeah, world. Yeah, don't interact. Yeah. to this... Yeah. And so... Safe bubble. I always thought that was weird. Like, even so as a kid... So you did feel, you did... Yeah. You felt stifled? Um, I felt like this couldn't be all there was, hmm. and I felt like, I, I, that came out in me asking a lot of questions and getting sent to my room a lot. for asking the questions because I would say, well, this doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. You know, it says this Uh in the Bible, but we're doing this and that doesn't. But there was no like dialogue in that sense. Not really. I mean, there was dialogue, but it was usually very much. um, It was more a dialogue to shut it down than to encourage the questions or to have the conversation. And was, also I think, was there a, like, this is why we believe what we believe? Or there was just, like, there's no questioning authority? It was more on that end of the spectrum. And it wasn't... I don't think it was be- coming from a place of malice, even. I think it was coming from a place of passionate belief on their part. You know? It wasn't like, we're going to stifle our child. Mm. You know, it wasn't like that at mm-hmm. all. They just very much thought they were doing the best mm-hmm. thing for me. And so, that's how that was delivered. And with a, with a little added feeling of, this is annoying. Could you please stop asking questions? Sure. Go to your room. (laughs) I'm sure that's probably parents at all
0: stage, like in some stage, no matter what the question is, I'm sure there's an element of that at
1: some stage of parenting, but, but I think it was my aware, I think that's where my awareness of, I don't totally buy into this uh came out, especially when I was eight, nine and 10, I very much was like, I just don't think that this like is Like wrestling all is. with a
0: lot of yeah. things? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there was no kind of, like,
0: conclusion or there was n- no finality to, or no answers that you kind of broke on no. through to the
1: No. Next it side. was just, what I, actually, the conclusion I came to was, because I was sent to my room to read the Psalms or Proverbs a lot. Okay. And, because I guess that was, seemed like something I could understand or relate with. Right. But I loved Proverbs, because one, it was short, and two, it seemed more simple, and I thought, okay, I can kind of understand this. And A lot of wisdom. Yeah. And so when I, at, when I was eight or nine years old, I remember reading the part about that wisdom is crying from the rooftops, and it's mm. available to anyone. Oh, that's beautiful. And I thought, well, I'm asking all these questions, and wisdom is trying to reach me. So all I need to do is make sure that I'm listening. And so at eight or nine, I decided that wisdom was the way. Right. That's so profound. At eight or nine. Yeah. Right. Because I thought, thought, how cool is this that I'm a child, and I can kind of understand this, and yet it's been here for thousands of years, and people are still studying it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, huh, that's got to be it. I am a part of the story, mm -hmm. right? The
0: story is ages old, and probably no one has found the fullness of wisdom or knows everything or right. But that you're like, I'm part
1: of this story. That's part of the bigger story. Huh? Wow. No, I hadn't even (laughs) thought of that. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was more just for me, my home was also, um, I would call it abusive. I would hate for my mom to hear that. Okay. My mom and dad are wonderful people. Right. And they were doing the best that they knew how to do. But in that, in that world, it was very much like spare the rod, spoil a child situation. I delivered yep, I've heard of this vehemently, I would yeah. say. <laughs> so I you know, at that point in my world, wisdom was gonna be my way out. I thought, okay, if I can follow this, if I can hang on to this, I can find my way out of this. When I grow up I can do something about this. I can I can find my way to something. I know different. this is not right. Yeah
0: so I want to escape at some point and yeah. go make make my life for myself. Yes. Okay. So do you, do, was like your brother and sister, were they kind of, were you all like in the same mindset or were you, were you the one that was just like, I don't get it, like get me freaking out of here or were they kind of drinking the Kool-Aid in a sense?
1: You know, I don't know. I think I was not super, cl- I'm, I'm not close with my brother at all. We actually don't talk at all. We're kind of estranged, but... Um, not kind of, we are estranged. We <laughs> are estranged. Yeah, we don't speak at all. Don't speak at all. Um, your sister you're close to? My sister I'm very close with, but when we were children, I was, you know, close with my sister would play because we were the two girls, but my brother and I never really got along, um, and so he and my sister would play a lot, and I was just sort of by myself a lot. Hmm. So I don't really know if, if they... We're buying into everything or how they were processing stuff. I don't know. I've never really asked that question. Sure. You're kind of like in your own headspace. Yep. What was
0: Jenny like in middle school? Oh, boy.
1: Um, I don't even know. The human's Um, most formative years. (laughs) Okay. Well, in eighth eighth grade was actually my favorite year of school ever. Okay. I had this amazing teacher. And, um, my parents were in the middle of like the second part of like trying to figure out how to, whether they were going to get divorced or separate or what they were, it was a mess. So I loved school. I always loved school. You always up. loved school. But eighth grade was awesome because I actually had decided to repeat that grade on huh. purpose. Okay. Cause the first time was so awesome. No. They're like, let me go back and enjoy this all over again. No, it was No. because I had gone up to ninth grade like a normal person, but in the tiny little conservative Christian school we were in, okay. it meant that i just sit in this little cubicle and work in these little workbook magazine oh. sort of things. Did you have Pace? Yeah, A-C-E. Something like that? Paces, yeah. Paces? Yes. I had the same thing. I
0: hated it. Hated, hated it. it. And I just... I did homeschool okay. for part of my years, and I did private school too, but when I was, some of the years I was homeschooled, I had Paces. That was my seventh... So, so, my seventh grade was my worst year of my life, besides last year, <laughs> to date. Um, because, like, I was homeschooled, didn't have any social life, and I had to do paces at home by myself, and my mom was super sick and pregnant oh. with the last child, and so she was kind of doing her thing. I was r- running the household and doing paces at seventh grade, and I was like, F this shit. I <laughs> I hate my life.
1: I have no life, no life experiences that were well, like the 7th grade. Yeah, that's how I felt when I went from a classroom to this little tiny cubicle. Right. And even though I'm an introvert, I'm still a very social person and I definitely enjoy Maybe interacting that. with people. Yeah. And I'm very smart. So I was whipping through everything like super fast and I just Thank thought, you next. This is totally boring. And so it, I would finish everything and I would go over to the classroom where all of my friends were because I'm a, I'm a year young for my grade. So, cause I went to school early. Okay. And so I would go in, I would finish everything really fast and I would go to their classroom, sit in and do all of that work too. Okay. And then I would go over to my friend's houses in the evening and do all of the homework they were doing because it was so much fun and I loved learning. So my friend, okay. one day, <laughs> you are definitely a super nerd. <laughs> my friend looked at me and said, why don't you just... Come back to our class because you're basically there anyway. And I was like, Oh, I hadn't even thought of doing that. So I went home and told my mom, Hey, I really think I need to repeat eighth grade. I want to go back in the other classroom. And she looked at me and she said, Are you sure? And I looked at her and I said, I know this is important for the rest of my life. Whoa. I knew in my, I didn't know about intuition then, but you now felt I do. And the I just gravitas. knew. Yep. And she yeah. said, Okay, well, I've learned not to fight you on things. That's fine. So I repeated eighth grade. And it was the best year I've ever had in school. It was so much fun. Okay. We played all kinds of pranks on the teacher. We pulled tons of pranks on the other students. Okay. I was top of my class. Clearly, which really like fought for. Right, <laughs> I got two trophies. You had an at the end edge of the year. everybody. You were you
0: are like I've already done this before, so
1: here I am repeating yes. classic three number situation. classic three situation, which we're getting to. Yeah, I loved that year. It was so much fun, and um, that was the first year that I sort of like discovered boys. Mm. I think boys. there were a lot of like roses on my desk and. Notes and little gifts Aww. and things like that. It was really fun. A blooming Jenny. It was. It was. Yeah. What about what things. about high school? <clears throat> Who was Jenny in high school? Well, in high school, I had just moved from Oregon to Florida because my parents had gotten divorced. They had. They had finally pulled that trigger, which was good. Okay. And my mom needed to move us to closer to her parents so she would have support. Sure. But that meant that she was super depressed and super grieving sure and had zero skills to handle all of that and you had all three oh no my brother did not come with us okay was much older than me so he was I think 18 or 19 and he stayed okay so it's just me and my sister and my mom and we came back um came to Florida and my mom was just kind of like what you described you know like how your mom was feeling that year she was very checked out She was just sad. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, having been through it myself, I can understand. Right. But, um, I was completely thrown for a loop. Sure. Florida was very backward to me, coming from the West Coast. In Florida where? Here. Orlando. To Orlando. In, in the, in 1989. No, 1990. Okay. So, lots of dirt roads still. Sure. And there, it wasn't what it is now. Nope. So, and then she put me in a little tiny Christian school in East Orlando in Union Park. Okay. And um there was a were... Downey, was it? It was. No! Oh <laughs> Did my go god. There? No.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> Did you go there? I, my brothers went there oh for a God, little bit, such a and
1: nightmare. I, Am I were I allowed to say that no, oh, yes, terrible, terrible. <laughs> terrible. You know what I found 100%. out? My mom. This is the way I convinced my mom told to let me go to public school. Okay. So in the middle, oh I went gosh. through ninth grade and half of tenth grade. This is so great. This is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I went through half of tenth grade and half t- halfway through. I was like, Mom, I cannot, I cannot stay at this school. This is not good for me. I mean, there were like 15 people in my class, mm-hmm. and none of whom were worth hanging out with. I mean, right. They were humans, and so I honor that. But they were not people I wanted to be friends with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a lot to choose from. So, and I had made all these friends at our youth group who were at our public school. I was okay. Like, Mom, there's much better kids. Was it than university? Out with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I used to live in so, East Orlando. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I did. Okay. So, the way that I convinced her to let me get out of Downey, because she was so afraid of letting me go to public school, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you're going to be around all, all these influences. Mm-hmm. I was like, Mom, judges sentence kids who aren't allowed to be in public school to go to Downey Christian School. So, the people ah. who can't go to public school are the kids I'm going to school with. Right. <laughs> Please let me go to public school. That is a very wise argument. So, yeah, so yes. Yes. Again, was like, all right, well, I've learned how to argue with I am amazed.
0: I am amazed. I worked for a very short time as a um, preschool teacher Mm -hmm. at Downey. So there were, like, two, three, and fours, like, the preschool years. It was a living hell. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, I love kids. I would love to have kids one day. But, like, that period in my life was very Uh depressive because it was just, like, that
1: environment is oppressive. That Yay. little preschool I volunteered there. Yes, it's not there healthy. Is some kind of like oppressive environment. I don't yep. know if we're going to get libel on this. But okay. <laughs> moving right it's not along. Good. So, <laughs> so you ended up going to university. I did. Okay. Yes. And in the then... middle of 10th grade. And that is where I met my husband. Aha. Well, I met him at the youth group. And then okay. it, when we, the year before. That we makes became sense. Fast friends. Yep. We just such a an amazing friendship and uh, just loved him. Right. And then we ended and up And he was about a, the same age? He was four. a year younger than me. Oh, okay. So, um yeah, so then we when I transferred in, I ha- ended up having the same lunch as him and he introduced he was very social, so he introduced me to all of his friends sure. and things and um and we just became really really good friends. Right. And yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay, we were, you know, 14 and 15. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And then life. Um, so, so interesting and just like how we're positioned in life and the things that just kind of were not, that have brought us to these places that were not even in our control. And then as we grow up, we grow into these things um, that we do have control over, which I think is, is so fun and interesting. So in your adult life, um, was there a moment that you have felt so much pride in? Um, Does anything stick out where you're like, I remember this moment when I was sitting here or doing this or after something that you felt like, man, I did it. Like, I survived or I pulled this
1: off or, like, is there any moment that you felt like... Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I'm a mom, so there's that. Yes. Like, I had my baby. That's true. No drugs. All natural. All that stuff. Right. Kicked ass at that. That's what I wanted, so I was really proud of that. Um, Yeah. I would say probably... I'm really proud of the choice I made to completely change my life. I was married for 15 years and then three years of getting divorced Uh and deciding to walk away, like literally walk away from an entire life that I had known since I was 15 years old and just change. I, I remember sitting on the beach and just in the same place where I decided that I needed to make a change.
0: Mhm.
1: And um I remember sitting in the same place and having gone through a lot of the work of doing that change. And I just remember feeling that feeling like I can't believe I did this. Like you I actually I pulled faced it off. It. I faced, you it. faced it. I faced like financial devastation. I faced trying to scale and grow a business that I made out of nothing. I you know, faced my kids and told them what I needed, even though it would be devastating to them. I was, I was brave anyway, and I believed in what I needed to do. Right. And, yeah, I would say I was really proud of that.
0: Yeah. Exceptionally proud. Um, And there might be some crossover in this question, but I'm always fascinated by, like, As a human, no one is spared tragedy, and so we don't get to choose when and where it happens. Um, But was there a moment that you have felt most devastated by? um, A time that you kind of, like, physically or emotionally had to pick yourself up off the
1: floor? Um, How did you do that? Um, Yeah, there's definitely crossover. I mean, that's, like, the most... That's the hardest thing I've ever gone through, is realizing that I was going to have to completely... I didn't even say the word reinvent. I feel like that's something you say after you've done it. (laughs) I don't think you go into, I'm going to burn my life down, or I'm going to completely... i got to walk out of this relationship um, and say you're reinventing yourself. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's what you do. But, um, yeah, I think... The way that I did it was, I literally threw myself off a cliff. I mean, not literally, figuratively. Figuratively, right. (laughs) But yeah, I, you know what it was? I just, I made another decision. Mm -hmm. I decided to walk toward love and light no matter what it was and no matter what form it came in. Okay. Because I knew I was in the dark. Yeah. And I knew that I was dead i i was like there's i don't i'm not awake anymore and i don't know if i've ever been awake and so i remember i i said i don't care who or what or what it is if i see if i feel love or see light i'm gonna walk that direction and that's what i started doing i just started looking for anything that was like that attaching yourself to that um or maybe not necessarily attaching but following it following like it. going that direction like walking that direction or opening myself to those things sure yeah yeah that was kind of the way i did it that's a lot
0: mhm <laughs> to be in the depths and then to kind of rise from the ashes yeah in that and rebuild something and you choosing health and life over just yeah complacency yeah and fear Keeping Mm -hmm. you kind of in, in the, in the shadows.
1: Yeah. I think the other time that was really devastating was seeing myself outside of myself because I, I have a certain image of myself that I want to uphold Mm -hmm. and that I think it comes from the way I was raised. Right. You know, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. And which isn't really the message of Jesus. Hmm the message of Jesus is you're a human and all of it's okay because, because I am love and I'm inviting you to that love. That's, that's really the deal. It's not about right or wrong or black and white or anything like that. It's my favorite quote is there's a field behind right and wrong. I'll meet you there. And yeah. I believe that the true message From my childhood faith is Mm. that message right there. Mm.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I think that people who believe in Jesus believe that Jesus is the the way to move beyond right and wrong into that field. He is the field even. Yeah. That field is love. That field is love. Yeah. And so when I found myself being wrong, doing things that were against what may have been Mm. were the right things. But then those quote-unquote wrong things were the thing that was allowing me to experience love and light. That was super confusing. And it was, like, really devastating to me. Sure. Because I, I couldn't figure out who I was. My identity was so tied to those ideals or ideas or that image. And that's really what I had to burn. I had to completely... You know, like I said, like I felt, I felt like I was jumping off a cliff. I had to see myself and that image dashed on the rocks at the bottom. Completely wow. split open. Right. And broken open. In order to experience real life, you know? I had to die. Yeah. And everything in that life and everything in that image had to die. That's pretty fam- painful. It was. To walk through. Yeah. It was very, very very difficult that was the hardest part you know people are like oh that's so sad that you're getting divorced and blah blah I'm like that is sad but, the but thing that's, that's just really the hard tip is, of the iceberg yeah the yeah thing that's really hard is holy crap I thought I was this person and I'm watching myself not be that person I don't understand mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah but that was the only way it was the only way right through the fire. Yep. Woo, there's no way
0: through. <laughs> yep. Now on to my favorite topic. and <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of yours is the Enneagram. Woo-hoo! Yes. I love the so Enneagram. I've been waiting for a long time to sit down and chat with you about this topic. Yes. Um I believe that for both of us it's been a game changer. Definitely. It has for me. Mm-hmm. Um This drink is really good, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, (laughs) So if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, it is a personality type structure that really helps you to formulate in your brain and in your soul um, just the ways that we are intrinsically created. So I think that as human beings we are created with some vastly different DNA and different just measures of communication and reward and how we receive love and so many different things that make us the different humans that we are. So the Enneagram has nine personality types, and so you usually identify with one, and you have a wing of a second one that's next to you. And for me, I, like, took this test, and I was like, okay, great, I'll take this. And I was very into Myers-Briggs for a long Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I have a degree in (coughs) psychology. I just am fascinated with how people operate and think and outcomes and all all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so, um, so for you, I, you would identify as a four Four. with a three wing. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, (laughs) when I see you a little quick tip, yes, no four wants to be identified that's true <laughs> you can't put me in a box i'm <laughs> yeah, no, so special no four wants to be told they are a four, four right <laughs> nor and then once they find that out they don't want anyone else to know it's, they're very secretive <laughs> yes <laughs> yep oh
0: fours <laughs> this episode of cocktails and conversation is brought to you by the dinner party project The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table, or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties, so if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom, memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area and haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. Um, I, when I think of you, when I see you, and obviously you know yourself so much better than I know you, but I see a lot of the outward... Um, production of your life. I, I see you more as a three slash wing four, but of course you know yourself better. Yeah. But I'm just going to mm-hmm. read these off so in case people are not familiar, they'll kind of know what we're talking about. But the four and,
1: is And called... I'm going to cringe. Go You're going
0: to cringe? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? This is... This is it, girl. Oh, okay. For good. We all have like strengths and weaknesses in every... Mm-hmm. No one's perfect. There's no one perfect number. Definitely not mine. <laughs> Number four is the individualist or the artist, Mm -hmm. the sensitive withdrawn type, which I don't see in you very often, Um, expressive, dramatic, yes, (laughs) self-absorbed and temperamental with a wing of a three, which is the success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven and image conscious, which is more of, um, I've just been amazed by you in so many ways, it's just the output that you have and the ways that you love the structure and the goal setting and I'm going to set up a goal and I'm going to crush it and I'm going to s- set up the systems and I care about fitness and I care about how I'm presenting myself to the world and a lot of that three for me comes through and then there's a lot of the inner work of a four. As well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. How do you feel about the Enneagram?
1: <laughs> I... Okay, my favorite thing about the Enneagram... Yes. ...is that it gives you a map. hmm And as someone who is a four and loves the interior world... Right. Um, it, ...it... I felt like when I read it for the first time after I was pissed, um, I... What I love is that it shows... The map into your healthiest and most, mm-hmm. um, your best expression of who you were made to be and the color you're meant to bring to the world. Sure. And I love that. And then at the other end of the scale, it shows who, what you're going to be when you're super unhealthy or at your worst. And so it, it gives a spectrum to a person rather than just like a stamp. And that's good. It's really cool to be able to see myself on that spectrum. And then see my within my own type, like the four type. There's that spectrum from like super healthy to super unhealthy. And then I love that it gives you a map into ways to become healthy. So for me, right, to become healthy, I need to head toward a one type, right, which is more grounded, more the principles, yeah, just yeah. very. And that is the more structured I've gotten. Mm-hmm. Like the more I head to a one, the more I'm able to. Control Well, control's not it, but, like, um, guide my flow that I have in being a four. Okay. Like, all that, like... You can channel it to something. Yeah, I can actually channel it to something so I can be productive rather than, like, I don't want to go to work today. Just sit in your room. And sit in my room and, like, look at the ceiling and think through things. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually my preferred day. Fair (laughs) enough. I I love that. I have a whole room in my house called the thinking room. Fair enough. (laughs) I concur. (laughs) So, yeah. Nothing um, wrong with that. And then I love the fact, like, the three helped me understand that, um, why I've done all the stuff I've done. hmm You know, that I do prefer to get shit done. And I do care about my, like you said, my fitness and, like, all that stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I want things to be right. I want things to be this way. Sure. Um, but I think as I, as I heal, this is what's been cool. Right. I think as I heal my wounds and myself and everything you know as i go through that journey my for self is starting to be able to peek out hmm. and i'm starting to write and i'm starting to speak right. and i'm starting to share all of that depth right. that's been flowing as a river underneath that has all been of that mostly been in, in your interior world oh yeah right yeah, so, so, so no one no
0: one really knows or sees as much of that they kind of know this outward jenny which is the successful businesswoman yes who can create systems for like (laughs) you just always amaze me you're like you should do x and x and x with dinner party and I'm like I don't even know how to I don't know where to start and I can't do this but you're but you have it down and you're you love it
1: we're created so differently yeah I am not created that way what's so fun is I feel like I I love my three self I love that because it's given me a lot Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm coming home by expressing the deeper part of myself and i think for the rest of my life i will be because the healthier i get as a four uh-huh. The more, I mean, our job is to take the worst things in life and turn them into something beautiful. That's what we're here to do. That is true. That's what all do. my
0: four friends are that way. Yeah, it is
1: very true. Yeah, so we have to like have devastating shit happen, <laughs> and then sadly work through it. Right, but then offer it. Like uh-huh. we offer it with such rawness and such um, realness, you know that. I think because we feel so deeply, we're able to really tap into that place that is so universal, but so few people feel like they can share. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I've learned that the things that are most secret to us are the things that are most common, that we have most in common with everyone else.
0: And so I think that's one of our jobs. We all share pain. Like there's no one that goes through life without tragedy, right? right? But it's like how we deal with that pain and how we... Mm can invite people in in healthy ways yeah to that um because there's no benefit for everyone to walk around openly bleeding right right yeah but there are really great ways that are restorative to you and then to the people in your immediate circles to be able to like have insight into that world um that's and that's why social media is such a weird thing for me Mm -hmm. because it's so such an open medium to share all the things all the time and in my world of friends like I want to know the hard things and I want to be able to sit through that and be attentive and at best case scenario in person but a lot of times I think there's just like a barrage of information Mm. that gets rained down every single emotion every single thing every tragedy every everything and I'm like I can't handle it all, I can't embrace the whole world's pain, like, I can't, I don't know, I don't have context for this person that I haven't seen in 15 years, but, like, hearing, I don't know, all that stuff, which is, sometimes it feels overwhelming to me, and I think fours also have this capacity to absorb all of that, and be able to, like, know how to, like, sit with people in that.
1: Yes. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. I also think that I would be very curious to know, but the way that I deal with it is I filter very hard. Mm -hmm. I do not ever watch the news. I don't ever watch the news. I don't watch the news. Not ever. I will not listen to tragedy. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to, unless you are physically in my space and I can help you, Mm -hmm. um, or you're in my proximity that I can, you know, affect change, I will not let that in. Because, and, and that's not an, uh, a place of no compassion or no empathy. That's not the case. I mean, think a place of wisdom. I just, I, I will not give my energy to something that I cannot like then turn around and help. Right. So it's a waste of my time. And it's a, it's also, I find it disrespectful to the pain of the person that I am voyeur- voyeuristically taking in. Such a good word. Yeah, that is if we're a... not able to do something, we are voyeurs. A hundred percent. So, and if you're <clears throat> going to consume that kind of information or that kind of content or that kind of whatever, right? You have to be so careful that that you have like a trigger in your mind that says, "Am I consuming right now, or am I going to then do something with this?" You know, because if you're gonna. Call somebody or share it or say, hey, you know, I know some people who can help. Great, awesome. But if you, we have to be so careful not to be voyeurs. It's important. That is very powerful and so true. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, very much how I feel.
0: Um, so, has learning about your personality within these parameters helped you to have a greater awareness of how you interact with the world? Absolutely.
1: It's, it's helped me to be okay with. Uh, It's it's helped me to be okay with the conflict within myself. Because when I was a little girl, people would say, What do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, Well, I can't decide. I either wanna be a mom slash teacher or a CEO in Washington D C. Like I was like I was like I you know what I mean? Like I wanted like hard driving achievement but then I also knew I wanted to feel and nurture and like Mm -hmm. grow and tend and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Like those those two pieces of me are Huge, and I I never know which one's going to win out or whatever. And now I'm all of those things, sure, except the Washington D.C. part, obviously. But um, but yeah, and I think what it what this has helped me do is be okay and help me reconcile the fact that I am high achieving mm-hmm. and hard hard driving in a lot of ways. Right. And but at the same time, I'm so flowing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm so. I will sit and forget about time and be completely present and like literally just get lost in the moment with people and even with myself because I'm a four and I'm self-absorbed. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like, right. you know, it helped me reconcile that. And so it helped. And, and the other thing you learn in the Enneagram is whether your go-to trigger is fear, shame, or anger. Yeah. Minus shame. So <clears> learning <throat> that released me from my shame. Yeah. It's helped me see why I always go straight to shame. And my why my mother is always like, you just need to get angry. You know, I'm like, I wonder what type you are, mom. You must right. be an angry <laughs> type. But, yeah. you know? because, because I so rarely get angry. Sure. That's not it for me. Yeah. Um, I go straight and to I shame. And I rarely kill shame. Wow. Ever. That must be nice.
0: What's that like? But it's just anger. just <laughs> okay. sits right here. Just It's there. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was such a revelation to me. Yes, me too. When I was like, oh, that's why that's there. Yeah. I could never figure out, like, why I could never escape that or why other people weren't reacting to, like, a same situation. Right. And we just had <clears throat> totally, we have totally different responses. Yeah. And that's not our fault. hmm And that's, we have to be aware of it and we have to, like, rein it in and
1: work towards health. But that was just such a freeing, I think, moment for me. Yeah, it also helps with your kids, too, because my kids, um, I have a 2 and a 7, mm-hmm. and a 2 goes to fear, and a 7, I think, goes to anger, I can't remember. No,
0: because I feel like one, um, eight, 8, 9, and 1 are anger, Okay. and then um, 7, 6, and 5 are fear, Oh, okay. Then two goes to f-
1: think, shame. Because f- four, three, two are shame. shame. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I knew I have one shame and one fear. fear. Yeah. Fear. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I, that makes sense now. So when I handle, when I w- deal with my kids and parent them, mm-hmm. I parent with that in mind. And I understand that How my they're absorbing with their... My kids go to emotion. They're probably, when they're acting out or reacting to something. Right. I, I know one is acting probably out of fear. And one's acting out of shame. Right. So it helps me know how to talk with them. Right. And listen to them. Yeah. Which has been super cool. That
0: is really cool. Very briefly, can you tell me kind of like how this... So first of all, I wanted to... Um, I like saving this kind of towards the end, but can you give us a, a brief glimpse into your role and the business that you
1: have oh, created? Yes. I own Ruby Red Cleaning. Yes. It's a house cleaning company that covers about 10 miles outside of Baldwin, from Baldwin Park. So, pretty much all of Orlando. Yeah. And we help people who want to grow by surprising them with empathy and kindness so that they can rise above everything they have going on. Okay. Do and become more than they thought possible. Okay. So, we do that for our clients and more importantly for my employees. That is my whole focus. I'm an employee first company. Right. So I focus on um, developing my employees so they can be the best version of themselves. And I teach them how to live from their values and not their feelings. And I teach them how to live out that, that purpose and find meaning. And it's really rewarding. That's
0: beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Um, and then very quickly as well, if you could tell us, how do you feel like the Enneagram has helped shape your professional
1: life? world hmm well I would say it's it's similar to the other answer I gave which is that I feel like it understanding that has given me permission to be the kind of boss that I am hmm so I have gotten a lot of advice from other business owners and you know industry coaches and things like that and we're definitely not forced and definitely aren't feeling all the feels all the time like I do. Right. And I was trying to sort of follow their advice and what they were doing, and it never felt right. And I, it was like wearing a suit that didn't fit mm-hmm. or something. And so when I fully embraced the fact that I am always going to be a deep diving, fully feeling, um, able to hold space and understand mm. all the things and see people immediately... I realized that I could bring that to work and that I could allow that to be a superpower rather than something that holds me back. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started showing up like that, I became a completely different boss and I felt all of my power like surge into me. It was like, I just sort of, you know, it was like blowing up a balloon. I was like, okay, here I am. And, um, my employees started really responding and I even do it with my clients, you know, when they're jerks on the phone. I don't let them be jerks. I help them find a better version of themselves. And I do it Dang. because I am with them. Right. And I hold space for somebody who's yelling at me. Sure. <clears throat> and I help them. <clears throat> I help turn that around by helping them find their better self. And then they just usually thank me. So, yeah, it's definitely affected my work. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> I, wish, <laughs> I wish I was a
0: boss like that. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so I have definitely always been such an admirer of you, um, and just kind of like your story of rising from the ashes and like really like seeing you in real ashes. Um, it's easy to talk about things like after they've, you know, happened, but man, going through it and being aware of all the things and the amount of courage that it takes to, like, actually see that in real time happening. Um, It's been amazing to kind of see in your life that you've come through that with, like, so much courage. And I I love the way that you have really invested in yourself and your two sons, um, giving yourself kind of, like, that space that you needed and, you know, a lot of the years of healing that were so necessary, but also, like, not... Kind of um, your 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 family and your sons didn't didn't get neglected along the way, and just the amount of courage that it was to like, you know, face all hard things and the demons, and then to also like show up in times that you probably didn't feel like it for for yourself and for your boys, and allowing yourself to fall apart, but then also being like, okay, like how now do I live in this space, and then how do I offer as much love as I can give, as much stability as I can give, you know, to my kids. So that's been beautiful to watch. Aww, yeah. That. You've done you did it.
1: There were definitely a lot of lunches I did not make. All <laughs> <laughs> right. I was, de- I mean, I was very there for them, but there are, there are things I wish, you know, I look back and I think, oh man, but that's part of it. That's part of it. And I helped them compost that too. Right. You know, and it's like, part of it we
0: are all humans so the last uh topic which is one of my favorites as well is rest which is something that i feel like people don't talk about enough and they don't do enough and i am also trying to to be more intentional about my day of rest and you were so graciously gave me a book um called sabbath which i have just kind of soaked in every word and i could Talk about! I could probably just read the book here in this podcast, <laughs> and the whole
1: thing. I would happily listen to that. That's like I, my favorite book. I
0: agreed. Yeah, it's it's been pretty amazing. But um, I wanted to mention one amazing quote, and I'm just gonna read this. But um, so the idea of Sabbath is not working, right? So it's just it's uh, it's kind of retreat from work. Um, even in that, I found that it's obviously so much more than just not working on your business, but it is actually taking Sabbath, which is kind of you investing in yourself.
1: The word is, the word actually means to stop. To stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, and, and I, I loved the, my exploration of Sabbath. I came to understand why it was stopping. That was the name of it. Because... It is so hard to do. It is so hard it to do. It is so hard to stop.
0: For so many reasons.
1: It's uh, the layers of reasons, reasons of why it is so hard to stop. Yeah. It's not about, like, rest is a result of the stopping. That's a good way to put it. So good. Mm. Plus, That's it a... gives us a cheaper something to do. Look, I'm stopping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, thank God I'm stopping. I'm so ready.
0: So this quote from this book uh, just mentions that Sabbath challenges the theology of progress by reminding us that we are already and always on sacred grounds. The gifts of grace and delight are present and abundant. The time to love and to live and to give thanks and rest and delight is now, this moment, this day. Feel what heaven is like. Tasty have the taste of eternity rest in the arms of the divine we do not have miles to go before we sleep the time to sleep to rest is now we are already home mm. which is very powerful oh, we are already home we are already home so what practices have you adopted in your life to retreat rest renew restore hmm i
1: actually that is exactly what i wrote about this morning Okay, <laughs> I have to go back and read it. Yeah, fully. Um, <clears throat> I would like to get back to doing a Sabbath practice. That was the best, one of the best spiritual practices I've ever engaged in. Is that whole practice of stopping? It it is something that will cause your ego to throw a huge hissy fit. Yep. Oh, it's <clears throat> it's a tantrum. And yeah, if you need to separate from your ego, try stopping for <laughs> a then whole you day. Will see. Yep. How big your ego is. (laughs) Right. Even the most humble people. um, Yeah, you will, it will rear its ugly head. But um, I think now what I do is I am very deliberate about reflecting in the evening every day. I answer seven questions in a journal. Okay. And I answer those, I try to answer those questions every single day to reflect on my day. I am such a churner. You know, I'm mm. such an achiever. Like, okay, you know, I will look back and think I did nothing today, and give myself no credit and no, you know, nothing, because I'm not at my year-end goal. I mean, in February, so I'm, it's not. I'm terrible. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much my chatter. Right. So if I don't spend the time to rest and reflect intentionally, intentionally, right, and then I go back to the day and I'm like, holy, holy hell, look at all the stuff I did. Oh wow, I did have some wins today. This is amazing. That I have found has caused me to rest in my mind. And that's been really helpful. And then, um, in the morning, that's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I write three pages and I dump everything out.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, it doesn't have to make sense. I hardly ever go back and reread it. I, I probably couldn't read it. My handwriting so terrible, but, um, those bookends of rest in the morning and in the evening have given me anchors in a rhythm of rest that has helped me be able to, um, have that buffer so in the old testament the the idea of sabbath is is tied in with the gleaning laws okay so when the people would harvest the fields, so technical yeah Yeah. so when the people would harvest the fields they were in that culture they were not allowed it was in poor form Mm -hmm. to to harvest all the way to the edges of their field. Yeah. Because the poor people would come and glean or, like, pick up the stuff on the edges of the field. Right. So there was always a buffer for the for the need. Hmm. And so... A buffer for the need. Yeah. And so it gets chills every time I think about this. Because in our lives, we we live all the way to the edges and then probably out beyond the edges, like, scrabbling around trying to get the rest of it. You know what I mean? We don't live with that buffer. Right. To, to allow ourselves the, the time for our need, like... So I try to that's what I think of when I do that at night and in the morning like okay yeah. I'm not I'm not going to harvest all the way to the edge of my day. I'm going to leave so that time. That's good. That is so good.
0: Um how do you think that allows us to like offer our best selves to the
1: world? Oh my goodness. This is exactly what I was writing. About. I think um, I don't I think that real life exists in the space between So I think that's where our best selves are, you know? So reality is the great I am. God is I am. That's the name of God. Mm -hmm. And all that means is right here, right now. And so when we give ourselves time to be in the right here, right now, we're actually in the presence of the I am, you know, of the source of God, whichever way you want to say it. And I think when we are in that presence and connected in that place, we are connected with the source that is our highest self.
0: Hmm.
1: And there's nothing better than that. So the more time we can get ourselves there, I think the more room and quote-unquote space we have to hold for other people, to have energy, to stop and listen, when we practice stopping ourselves, it's easier to, you know, not listen to our ego when it doesn't want to stop for someone else. So, yeah, I think that that is the key to being our highest self is moving into that space with the I am. So good. <laughs> Ooh, I have so
0: much. I'm just like soaking it all in. It's so good. Um, so, one final thought is there any piece of wisdom, um, personal, business, life? Experience. Is there any piece of wisdom that you would share with us?
1: Hmm. 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 I would say, don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to come home to yourself. <clears throat> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to visit your shadows. Hmm. It's a very four answer. Um, <laughs> it's such a four right. answer. Oh, my
0: God. Go internal, and then go internal
1: even more. Oh Just keep on digging and stay there. That's so funny. Like, the yeah. awareness of that is so funny. Okay, so I can only speak from my own experience. And Naturally. And I have found... So much depth and richness and freedom. That's really what I have found. I have found freedom in being willing to face myself. Yeah. And see myself. It's so, so scary. It is so scary. But the cool thing is, is what I've learned is all the pieces of ourselves that we don't want to see, that we're scared to see, or we don't want anyone else to see, or all that whole list of things
0: Yeah.
1: is it's so it's just a little part of yourself and it's not your whole self it's not your whole identity it's just a piece and all it wants to do is be redeemed and you can redeem it with your light and presence you can walk into that shadow and and pull that part of you out of the shadow and redeem it and 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 say I see you it's okay I love you and bring it forward Or let it rest. That's what I have found. And I think if people will do that, they can be, they can feel more whole and not feel so divided and Mm -hmm. like, I'm hiding this part and I don't want this part to come forward or whatever. So when you're willing to do that work of becoming whole, you can bring more of yourself to everyone else. And I mean, and that's, that's the whole point. Yeah. Is to really get to be with each other. So... Yeah. thank you jenny
0: thank you for coming <laughs> over to the welcome house thank you so much for having me. and sitting while i do some day drinking <laughs> and thank you for the grapefruit juice <laughs> anytime this is my ultimate pleasure <laughs> sit around drink talk about meaningful <laughs> things and i just appreciate you and what you mm-hmm. are in orlando and just in my
1: life so i would say the same thing right back yeah, I have met some of my best friends because of you.
0: I know. I'm so thankful. That
1: makes me really happy. So thankful. All all the happiness <laughs> feels
0: when I hear of those things. So yeah. that's the name of the game. Um, but until next time, thanks for coming and chatting with me. Yes. Okay. I can't wait to
1: hear all of your episodes. Okay, they're coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have. Would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more cocktails and conversation.